I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, June 5th, 2022, and this is episode 173 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing was the writer's retreat that I just returned from. So a group of writers, I think there ended up being nine of us in all, plus one of their daughters. And we rented a big nine-bedroom house in Florida, and we just retreated. There was a pool and a hot tub out back, so lots of writing was done, then time in the water to relax. There was even a water aerobics class, courtesy of one of the writer's personal trainers who we had on Zoom, like, on a phone next to the pool, which I've never done water aerobics before because I don't swim, so I was in the shallow end, but it's a lot harder than I ever imagined it would be. But it was good because, you know, when you're sitting all day long. Um, exercise is important. And I did not get to the gym uh, because it was at weird hours. There was like a community gym that was in this sort of the place where the house were. Of course, I intended to go and then did not. And then there was a tropical storm at the end. So I ended up moving my flight up and left a little bit earlier than planned just so I didn't get stuck in Florida because that would have made me extremely upset. And I was supposed to be there for six days, which is a little long for me. I really had a wonderful time. I love the the community because, you know, writing is such a solitary task. It's good to get out and find community and conferences are a way to do that. Um, you know, my mastermind is a way to do that. But retreats are also another way to do that without sort of the pressure of presenting at a conference or, you know, 3,000 people are in this hotel room together. I mean, this hotel together, not the hotel room. But, you know, nine people in a house writing together and eating, making meals, you know, chatting, um, having that community, giving advice, asking for help, things like that. It's really nice. Uh, but seven days of that is too long for me, for my introversion, because at around day three, I started having to take naps and then just kind of like go in my room for a couple of hours every day and be quiet because it just, it's a lot, you know, as much as I like it, it's also very draining. So. I have to figure out like the sweet spot of, it's probably like a, an equation in terms of the number of people. Thank goodness everyone had their own bedroom because if we were sharing bedrooms, um, you know, the equation would change. But number of people, number of days, something, you know, I have to figure out exactly what what is the best for me. But I did have a great time. And it sort of reminded me, uh, the latest column that I wrote for Galaxy's Edge magazine, I have a regular column on craft. It's called Longhand. I will link to it in the show notes. I think that this new column, I have to see which, which it's not out yet. I just turned it in last month. So it'll be out maybe next month or in the next issue, whenever that comes out. <laughs> it was about writing rituals and routines and talking about famous writers' rituals and how to figure out your own ritual. And, you know, I've thought about my ritual. My It's less thinking about it and more just observing what I do and the things that I like to do. Like I always have my tea. Often I will stretch my wrists out before sitting down to write for a long time because I have a lot of ergonomic and, you know, pain, injuries, repetitive stress, things going on with me. But thinking about writing rituals and what is the best atmosphere, environment to get work done. It brought me back to the the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. And 
this retreat and sort of the energy of working around people. Like there was a long dining room table where a lot of people sat at. It was too high for me. So I was usually on the couch. Um, I'll talk in a minute about tips for a successful writing retreat and examining your ergonomics. But um, just being in the same room with, you know, anywhere between five and all nine of us where people came in and out and did their own thing. But having that energy of work, of all being focused on our own individual tasks, but being together, that kind of energy is really, I think it stokes creativity because it reminded me of when I, I was in New York a couple of years ago, I think it was a conference or a meeting or something like that. And I had a whole afternoon free. And so I had researched it and I went to this co-working spot that's only for writers. I think it's called Paragraph. And I'll find the link and put that in the show notes. There's like a common area and a kitchen and that's where you can talk and chat and have phone calls. But in the work area, it has to be quiet. So no talking, no phone calls. Everyone has a cubicle. And then there's like a common like seating area with some bookshelves, as I recall. But going into that space and sitting at my cubicle, so I couldn't really see anybody, but I knew that other people were there and everyone's quiet. So you just hear like rustling and breathing and things. I got so much work done that afternoon. I just felt like that was such like fertile ground for creativity, something about being around other people. And maybe that's why some people work at coffee shops. For me, the quiet was important too. It wasn't just being around other people. It was actually working in quiet with other people. And so the times during the retreat where we were all just quiet and working kind of brought that, brought that back. And then kind of it would ebb and flow. So we'd be quiet and someone would say something and there'd be a little talking and then we'd be back to quiet. And I found ways to, you know, sort of moderate my own levels of quiet with my noise canceling headphones so I could stay focused when I wanted to and then participate in the conversation when I wanted to also. And so, yeah, I, I really had a great time and I did get a lot done. I wrote, I'm back to 20,000 words in the manuscript. So what was it, two weeks ago, I had to throw away 20,000 words, got another better 20,000 words. And uh, I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm on a good track with this uh, with this book. So tips for a successful writing retreat. I might do like a whole post on this. I don't know. I might not. But the ones that I could come up with off the top of my head or number one, ergonomics. So we were in an Airbnb. Like I said, there were nine bedrooms and there were two sort of seating areas plus the kitchen and the dining room. And before I agreed to go on the retreat, I always study the photos. And sometimes I actually will email the owner to make sure that the furniture in the photos is the furniture that is still in the house. Because I've been to an Airbnb for a smaller retreat where they had changed all the furniture and it was way worse. So I think about identifying where where can I sit and multiple places in case like I found out the dining room table was too high or maybe the chairs were too low, but whatever it was, you know, you were typing up, up kind of here by your chest or your chin, which is bad ergonomics. And since I have wrist and elbow and ulnar nerve issues, I need to be very, very careful about my ergonomics. So I brought my, I have this um, like portable desk thing and I will link to it. I got it on Amazon. It's adjustable. So it's like a lap desk for your laptop. It keeps you from having to just set your computer on your lap. A, that's hot. B, it's not the right height for proper, you know, ergonomics mean, um, proper ergonomics for typing is back straight, legs straight, L- arm at a 90 degree angle. So your elbow, like your arm, your forearm should be parallel to the ground. So you have to find a place for your keyboard that allows your forearm to be parallel to the ground. 
And so this little desk um, adjusts and it lets me do that. It also can turn into like a standing desk. So I can put it, um, I can adjust it, the height of it, put it on top of a table or anything and then stand up and have it be at the right height. So I ended up actually <laughs> buying a portable keyboard on a Bluetooth keyboard on Amazon and having it shipped there because I found that even though my arms were in the right position, you know, with a laptop, you're looking down and my neck was getting a lot of tension and strain. And uh, so I can adjust this little desk so that the computer, the screen is high, is eye level, my eyes kind of stay straight. And then I can find the right height of a table or chair to put that keyboard down. So I'm maintaining proper ergonomics for all of my body so that I'm not in pain after sitting there and writing. Because I was I was getting up at eight to write and with lots of breaks, writing until like 11 p.m. And so if you're in the wrong position for most of the day, I personally feel it. Other people are not as sensitive as me and don't have the issues that I have with the various parts of my body. So I don't think it bothered other people. Like they were sitting at that table just fine. I knew that that wasn't going to work for me. My second tip for a successful writing retreat is figuring out how to protect your time and attention. A lot of times, um, you know, there's a lot of people around and some people are chattier than others and some people are not as focused as others. And, you know, you have to be able to focus when you need to and be social when you, when you need to. And so whether that means actually removing yourself and just going into your room or going to another part of the space and just being alone, or like I did, just having your noise counseling headphones in for the times when I was on a roll and I wanted to focus and keep writing and then just taking them out when I was, you know, doing less focused, intense things, less deep work. And I, I could be distracted and pulled into conversations and because that's part of it too. And my third tip is flexibility, which kind of goes hand in hand with the protecting your time and attention. I kind of didn't go in with a hard word count goal. I just wanted to get as much done as possible. And I'll talk in my writing update in a second about that. But being flexible, moving, going with the flow and uh, balancing that with protecting your time and attention, I think is really important because... I'm not like the most social person in the world, but I did come there to hang out with these people and meet new people and hang out with people that I've known for a long time. And, oh, that is really cool. But I'm also there to work. And so the flexibility I found for me, who's somewhat of an inflexible person sometimes, was uh, was really important. So my writing update. So I'm working on the Black Towns book. And uh the basic idea is I have this thriving all black town threatened by the construction of a dam that's going to flood them and they have to find magical means to save their town. And so I picked a year, I think I'm going to set it in mid 1930s, middle of the depression, but the new deal is happening during the new deal in our world. Uh, FDR created the Tennessee Valley authority, the TVA, which for Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, um, I think I mentioned this before, other states, they were in charge of, among other things, building dams and flooding towns. And I'm, I'm using a fictionalized version of them, but basing a lot of the activity on what they were really doing. So that time period made sense to me. Initially, the book, you know, I was thinking, oh, is it the 19-teens? Is it still the 20s, the 30s? I wasn't going to go far past that, but um, this feels right. And I'd started out really cleaning up as I was going, and now I'm back to sort of fast drafting because I did realize after reading over what I'd written before that I do need to make a couple of 
slight changes to some of the relationships and just shade things in a little differently. You know, I, I'm in this, for this book, it seems like I'm kind of moving and stopping, moving and stopping. I'm, I'm soaring and then I just hit a plateau and then I go soar again and hit a plateau. And I feel like that will be the way this book goes. So not too much polishing of the fast drafts that I write because like always, I'm learning more things as I go. Things are unfolding to me and which is why I fast draft because I know I'm probably going to change those things. But I am not doing just a blind fast draft like I I normally do. I am going back and rereading, cleaning a little bit so that I can reread and understand the words that I wrote. And that's really helping me. Like I was writing, I think Monday and Tuesday went really well. Then the same Tuesday, I was like, okay, what happens next? So I spent that afternoon brainstorming other things that could happen, digging into the character development, trying to always ground it back into my main character. Her name is Jane. And, you know, that advice that I have on an index card that is still packed away somewhere, that the plot is just a metaphor for the internal change arc, something like that. So bringing everything back to how is Jane changing? Who is she at the beginning? Who does she need to be at the end? And how does whatever happens next in the plot push her forward? How does it make her uncomfortable, uncomfortable that she needs to change? Or how does it make her take a step back from change, like retreat? It's always sort of one step forward, two steps back. And at every point, it's like, okay, I've got five different things that could happen next in the story. How do I choose? That's when I, I go back to the brainstorming and the character work and all of that. And I, I figure out, okay, I know what she's doing, but what are these other characters doing? What's the antagonist doing? How is that going to push her either forward or back in her change and growth arc? And then I would get, you know, write another few scenes and be good and then stop and be like, okay, what happens next? So this was the cycle, but it's working. It's working really well. Um, and I reread a bunch of it and I really like, I really like it, which is just getting to the point where I can say, I really like this. What I've written is, has felt like a journey, you know? I go back to James Scott Bell's Write Your Novel from the Middle again and again. And we were actually talking about it on retreat because one of the other authors there was reading it over again. And I pulled this quote, structure is translation software for your imagination. Because I kept going back to structure, like, where am I? Am I in act one? Am I in act two? And thinking about the structure of this book, which has always kind of been an issue as well. Um, So yeah, translation software for your imagination. I thought that was kind of cool. And then on the plane back home, I was reading a book. I usually read on planes. I don't usually work, but I just started this new book and it was dual perspective from the the POV of two cousins and um, these two female cousins. And I started the, it was early in, in the book and I just got this shot of inspiration. I was like, oh, I can do that. Put the book down, pulled out my laptop and just started writing. It was just so crazy. Like I had been struggling over the POVs. I think when I originally conceived the book, there were four, went down to three, now it's two. I was like, is it just one? Because I hadn't been able to write the second POV I planned. Actually, it was going to be two plus this other voice, right? And when I tried to write the the male love interest POV, I realized he didn't really have that much of an arc either. Like he does change a little, but he's mostly a static character. And do I need his POV either? So I already cut the sisters, I cut him it might not stay cut, but this is as of today. 
you know, there's these, this other voice, this more magical voice that I hadn't found yet. And I'm like, am I going to have to just find that after I write the rest of the story? Because it's like interstitials sort of, um, I've done it in Song of Blood and Stone. Um, I do it in The Monsters We Defy. And it, and when it's a different kind of character, you know, a, a very magical character, I was thinking, okay, is this poetry? Is it lyrical? Is it some kind of weird second person? Like, what is this voice? And then when I was reading this book on the plane, I was like, oh, I found the voice. And I started writing in the voice and it worked so far. <laughs> so that was really great. I think that because I was, you know, in the chair, in this place of creative inspiration, I was able to get what I needed. And that's always a wonderful feeling to have. It's always nice when things flow, especially when you've been stopped up for such a long time. So that is how it's going. And I just, I'm going to keep working on it. I also did um, an interview with Jean-Marie Ward for Continual, The Con That Never Ends, and I will link to that. It was a really good interview. She's a professional journalist, and um, she had really great questions, and we had a really good conversation. So if you are interested, I highly recommend that. I haven't watched it, but when I was doing it, it felt like it was really good. So (laughs) we'll go with that. So my goals for the coming week are keep writing, keep working. I actually had to take a break from the Black Towns book briefly to uh, get my cover brief together for the next book in the Bliss War series, Beastly Kingdom. And it's always tough to do a cover brief when I haven't finished the book yet. And I was, so I switched gears. I finally, the thing I'm supposed to have done like months ago, and looked at what I have for Beastly Kingdom I didn't reread everything. I reread some of what I had written. It was all just fast draft. It's a little difficult to read it without wanting to clean it up, which is another reason why I don't, when I when I do a fast draft all the way through blind without looking at it, I don't look at it. It's hard because it's like, okay, I know what I was trying to say, but I was typing so fast that it came out garbled, but that's revision. Anyway, I realized I didn't have a real synopsis for that book. I had like some bullet points that went up to the midpoint and that was it because I was trying to write a synopsis for the cover designer as part of the cover design brief. And that had me kind of (laughs) revisiting that for a while and realizing, oh Lord, I really need to get back into that. I really need to figure out how to do two books at once because I need to turn in a finished, edited, proofread version by the end of this year so that I can meet the pre-order date. And it's still possible. I've got six months. It, um, it's like a 70,000 word book, probably. This process of revisiting the synopsis after having a couple of months away kind of clarified some things. It allowed me to figure out how to punch up certain points of conflict. Like when you're summarizing it, you're really down to the bone. So it's like, okay, this is the, the main conflict was always really clear. And I think I have a really good romantic conflict, but figuring out, okay, what happens after the midpoint? Um, I know the, the big climax, but there's a lot of gray areas and, and unknown foggy parts of that book. So <sighs> having to think about, okay, who's going to be on the cover? It's, it's easier in a way because it's a book too. So we have the, the template of the cover there. So I just kind of give him a description of the main characters, the two main characters, what they might be wearing and, let him do his job because that's why I chose him. Uh, I use Bookfly Design. He's amazing. And I've never seen a cover that he's done for me that I have not been amazed and loved completely. 
But I usually do give a lot more detail because I know so much about the story. Uh, so it was a little nerve wracking. And I was like, at the end, I know this is not a lot. I haven't finished writing this book. It's been driving me crazy. So please ask questions if you need. Um, so yeah, that was a, like something that was kind of on my mind that I accomplished. And it did help me to get back on the mindset of that book and those characters. So once again, we will see how we can make this happen. Because six months is enough time if I start if I have the six months, but if I'm like, oh, I keep pushing it back and keep pushing it back, I'll never get it done. And hopefully now that this book feels like it's on a, a smoother track, it'll be better. And I've been trying to clear my work schedule even more than it is now. Like I'm basically not doing a lot of work. I'm not accepting new websites to build. I'm just doing maintenance for existing clients and trying to keep that manageable so that I can have more time to write each day. And I mean, I'm fortunate that I can do that because I'm self-employed and I don't, we don't require the income for our living expenses. My income pays bills, pays credit cards, things like that. So I can kind of moderate, modulate, what is the word I'm looking for? Anyway, so yes, I realized that. um, So many people are not in that position. That is where we are right now. And uh, yeah, goal, keep writing, figure out how to do both books and not lose my mind. Marketing, of course, uh, for The Monsters We Defy, which comes out in almost two months. uh, When you listen to this, August 9th, it'll be out. Pre-order campaign is going. I got the final character art, which I posted on social media. I will link to that. I am so in love with this character art. I've made it the desktop image on my computer so that whenever the all the uh, apps are closed, I can just look at them and I'm just in love with them. So that is it for me for this week. I will talk to you next week and happy birthday, Paul. I know he doesn't listen, but his birthday is the day this episode drops. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter, and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. Email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. And I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. 